Uh, I'm going to do an impromptu introduction because I don't have the other one in front of me, but I can always All right, play. go ahead. Yeah, yeah so um, can I use the another podcast, another daylight? I think that's becoming a bit old. But here we are. I think it's episode six of the, the Hot Pot Haggis podcast. And to our listeners, mm-hmm. we're very grateful to all, I think, maybe around 40 of you for keeping up with our, our weekly episodes. And um, yeah, here we are with another one with you. Here we are. Yes. yes, here we are indeed on this lovely, glorious summer's day here in London and the probably not so sunny day uh, in Beijing. Actually, it's very sunny. Can you see the sun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> okay. I don't quite. Yeah, where where did that question come from? <laughs> no, I just remember like, you know, sometimes it's not that clear. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's foggy. Mm. Yeah. Actually, the good thing is they're implementing like uh, electric buses mm-hmm. now, so right. I think a lot a lot of it is going away. But still, it's we still get those like bad days when it's just kind of like shitty weather. Yeah. I think just because it's it's close to the sea, you get a lot of that um, fog and mist that that comes in quite quite frequently. It's not that close to the sea. It's like still a couple hundreds of miles away. <laughs> yeah, I'm just that was some some sarcasm there, but um, yeah, let's let's move on. <laughs> they also they also have uh, electronic buses in London. That is, they're like silent silent uh, killers. Really, you can't, you can't hear yeah. them coming. It's fucking scary sometimes when I'm crossing a road. Mm. And um, mm. I think I, I remember some of the electric buses are already in use when I was when I was in London last year. And they're just yeah. they come they sneak up on you like silently, completely silent. Yeah. And, yeah, they they really do. You know, yeah. There you are trying to jaywalk and then next thing you know you're walking into your death. So it's pretty <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the I guess the lesson to take from this is always wait for the green light. But jaywalking doesn't exist in the UK because, you know, it's. I think it's not a felony like in the US. So, I know. Well, they say it's a felony in the US, but I'm pretty sure it's not stopping anyone from doing it. So, I don't know. Yeah, they, they, the Americans seem really nervous about crossing when the light's not green. Uh, might just yeah. be. Yeah, I, I guess so. They're probably not as well trained because of the whole jaywalking. <laughs> Yeah, they're not well trained. Not, I'm not saying it in a condescending way. I'm just saying it, you know, if you don't, if no, you don't, you know. yeah, because your 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 jaywalking instinct is like a muscle, right? You have to keep training it. Right. Yeah. And they just don't have this. Uh, if control. you want to become like a jaywalking master, you have to go somewhere. Like you have to go live somewhere. Like uh, I don't know, Bangkok or um, somewhere in yeah. the Philippines. So then. Yeah. 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 It gets a bit more, a bit more exciting <laughs> over there. Yeah. Yeah. very exciting i think a lot of people you know they're actually treading very <clears throat> nice when they when they go there mm. not used to it yeah yeah a lot of thin ice a lot of thin ice yeah and uh, what about in manchester yeah did you have any any jaywalking there to be honest i i found i found like crossing the road randomly such a big thing in the in the uk like um <laughs> Honestly, when I first moved to Manchester, I didn't, I, I was a very, like, I was very much a law-abiding citizen. I'm not mm. even a citizen. 
I'm just <laughs> I'm just law abiding. <laughs> law abiding. So that's a movie, isn't it, with Jared Butler? I have no idea. Yeah, um, famous, but, but anyway, yeah. I, I was actually, you know, whenever whenever you need to cross the road, I, I was always the person to press the button. I was mm. always the person to wait until the green light comes on, even though the cars have already stopped. Like, yeah. that was who I was until I started crossing the road with my friends. And, uh, you know, they were just like, basically crossing at all the wrong spots and doing all the sort of quote-unquote wrong things when it comes to crossing the road. Yeah, and I was like, sure. well, I thought, you know, before I came here, I thought Europeans were like, you know, the, the yeah, lawful sure. kind of guys. It turns out yeah. to be, you know, completely opposite. Yeah, so you were just that guy who stood there, like, sheepishly, like, pressing the button, like, oh, I'm going to wait till it, till it goes green. And then eventually you, you, you became braver. And you know. Eventually I was like, fuck this, you know, like, whatever. Sure. Um they're probably, they're very likely to not hit me, right? They don't yeah. have a reason to, they probably need to slow down. Um, Do you remember however, that first step? Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, however, there are times where, you know, because in Manchester, there's still a lot of, like, drug shit going on. So, you know, you can you can tell the drug dealer's car when you see one. So, you know, when, when I see those cars driving around, I, I don't I don't try to tempt my fate. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> You just yeah, okay. be careful. Yeah, it's a big step. That, that first moment you must have you must have crossed when it was red. I can imagine it was a life changing moment. Well, it wasn't it wasn't so much to be honest because I think I think when I when I uh, first moved to the UK, I was a little um, I was I was I was on my best behavior because you know like I said last time. So this this goes back to the last conversation we had about this whole transition. When I moved mm -hmm. from China to UK, so when I first moved there, I had this uh, mindset that I was basically representing like a, not just myself but a whole country, right? So I have to have to do justice for my people. That's that's my kind of mindset. So you know, back in China, I was fucking walking everywhere whenever I need to, whenever I want, you know, wherever I want to. But when I when I moved to UK, I was like, ah, uh, I kind of need to think about it before I do it. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's funny because, I mean, that mentality, like, I totally understand why you had it. But for British people, like, they just probably just don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, like, yeah, because British people in that, Britain you know? is like me in China, right? Like, zero fucks given. So, yeah. And I think na na they're not, not very nationalistic people, to be honest. Um, I don't think we go around the world, like, shouting that we're British. Well, maybe, maybe in some places, but not. <laughs> maybe oh, in there's Australia. A, there's a saying. There's a saying that I've heard, mm. uh, which is, "The further away you are from home, the more patriotic you become." So I think yeah. that kind of have, you know, that, that that might have some truth to it because I remember when I was in the UK, um, when people talk about stuff that I don't necessarily agree with, especially when it comes to international politics. Then I would, I would sometimes I would feel quite strongly about it. But then now, now that I'm home, and uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel so defensive whatever people say because you know, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have much of a burden, so mm. is is a very is very interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
yeah, you said you had some more experiences to share with us from um, your, your your time living abroad in the UK. And I think we finished up last time speaking about that uh, moment of change. I think when you made a, a new friend and you helped him and then you you started to become more assimilated and more comfortable uh, living in the city and you started to branch out from your Chinese friends and, you know, make more Western uh, friendships. So, yeah, yeah. What, what's next? Well, what's next is actually a very <laughs> funny thing that happened to me. So, uh, I think I think after, you know, after I started really putting myself out there and socializing with all kinds of different people, um, a very common thing that people will typically say to me when they first get to know me was, you know, like, what happened to you? Like, this is a question that people will ask when they first get to know me, but they don't know where I'm from. And then when they ask me where I'm from, I say, I say China. And they're like, oh, wow, like I would, China is the last place I would expect you to be from. Um, you know, like, why are you so different from all the other Chinese people? Like, are you really yeah. Chinese? Did you, did you really grow up there? And yeah, yeah so I, I just found just, that hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to uh, add sort of, um, credibility to that. When I first met you, I, I genuinely thought you were American, um, basically just because of the language you used and your sort of mannerisms. And I was yeah. really surprised to learn you were you were Chinese. It was a big, big shock. <laughs> I guess I was uh, I guess I was Chinese by birth and American by trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you do have quite you do have quite an American accent as well. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's because it's so hard to learn the British accent. Even though, even though growing up, all of my English teachers are actually British. Um, I just never get the grasp of the accent because it's so, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess it's quite normal to you guys because you were born and raised there and, you know, that's literally all you hear. But for me, when I first heard it, I just felt like that the British accent sounded like something to me, you know, like someone is speaking English, but they have something in their mouth and they couldn't open their mouth fully. I mean, I mean, the British accent is a very, you know, it's a very nice sounding accent. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to be offensive, but um, it's not it's not very natural to me when it comes to the, the way I pronounce things. Because, ah, OK, yeah, because yeah, the Chinese language, we have all kinds of different tones, right? For every single pronunciation, we have four different tones, and then you're, you're very—you have to be very careful when you're pronouncing these tones because just a single change in the actual tone will, will actually change the whole meaning of maybe a word or a phrase or a sentence. So that kind of puts a huge emphasis on making sure you you really pronounce the vowels and you really pronounce everything like explicitly. So I think the British accent or the British English speaking way, right, it is is almost the complete opposite of that. So well, I think it's very the hard to get used to. Yeah, I think the difference is, I mean, you know, in Chinese, there's a lot of like actual uh, words that you can add to a sentence to um, change the meaning slightly or change the tone in which in which you're speaking and all those sort of like nuances of the language but mm -hmm. in britain like when you say something it actually has like a hundred hidden meanings depending <laughs> depending on the way you say it so it, 
I mean, of course, the tone and the sort of inflection you use is important, but uh, like the way you could say one word, like yes, like mm. you could imply like you completely disagree with what they said, or it could mean that you're actually mocking them, or it could mean that you genuinely do agree with the the point they're making. But it's there's a lot of like uh, hidden things within within the mannerisms of of the language, which is nice because yeah, American English is a bit more um, straightforward, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I get what you, I get what you're saying, but we're talking about completely different things here. <laughs> yeah. So what I, when when I said tone, when I said tone in Chinese, I meant like the different accents you put on the letters to make them ah, sound okay. differently. Yeah. So you have those twisted um, uh, ways of pronouncing stuff. So yeah. when you when you get into the habit of saying things that way, you you kind of have to make sure you pronounce everything every. Uh, syllable very explicitly to make sure it sounds correct right otherwise you're you're missing something so i guess being born and raised in a language system that works in that way is hard for me to you know speak english um that are more atoned to the british manner because i feel like the american way of speaking english is way more um i don't know way more comfortable for me just how it kind of turned out yeah. yeah and i think um just based on listener feedback you definitely shouldn't change <laughs> to a british accent it seems that they're, they're very satisfied with your um american voice so yeah <laughs> good, good job well, well i i have to say i have to say um i'm as chinese as it gets so um yeah don't yeah. know how can i am if you actually put me next to an American person, you know, we will probably disagree on a lot of things. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. So just to get back to the, so you said like that's a really common question. So yeah, you say like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, really like the cat, they're they're quite surprised mm -hmm. by that. And then what yeah. do you say? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Like uh, sometimes I would say, you know, sometimes. When they ask me what happened to you, I'll just throw the question back to them and be like, what happened to you? You know, like, um, because it's hilarious how they're so uh, dumbfounded to see like a Chinese person like me who speaks English and are willing to socialize with them and um, maybe, maybe appear to them as to having an open mind and do not pose as sort of, you know, quote unquote, the enemy. Um, however, I think, you know, I think. At the end of the day, it's just because I was very lucky to have learned English from a very young age. I think uh, on a grand scheme of things, most there are so many um, Chinese people who are just like me. I mean, when you were in China, you probably encounter a lot of people who are also willing to socialize with you and, you know, take you in with open arms. Um, so it's not it's not so much as to, you know, there's something wrong with being Chinese or whatever. I think there's a there's a kind of misconception that was tied to it. Yeah, but I mean, it's probably that perception comes from past experiences. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, I mean, the way the the I mean, the differences between East and West are pretty huge. I mean, the way that yeah. you yeah. socialize, the way that you speak to each other, um, it is such a, and even the way that you think is normally like very very different and difficult to comprehend i mean mm -hmm. 
Um, but I think you have a real advantage because you can now you can understand both ways. It's quite dangerous, actually. It is very dangerous. I think I'm I'm a very dangerous person for both of these sides because you know, <laughs> basically a flight risk left and right. Um, <laughs> yeah, confused. And I think it's very confusing. I mean, I'm I'm not. Sometimes I get confused myself because um, there's constantly, you know, I I feel like I always find myself in this uh, cognitive dissonance where. Um, where there are some things that I was brought up with that's conflicted by uh, certain experiences that I encountered later on, you know, when I when I grew up. So, yeah. so it's a little uncomfortable. However, I think I think at the the core of everything, right? I still I still embrace the actual culture that I was brought up with, which is you know the Chinese culture. And I think the fact that you mentioned how you know, the, the East and the West from a cultural standpoint is very different. That's very true. That's very real. Uh, that's a very true statement because I think a big reason why a lot of Chinese students um, overseas are not sort of, you know, brave enough to throw themselves into the deep end and start socializing, socializing with the sort of the, this huge international community was really because they're very self-conscious, like they're very self-conscious about the fact that they probably don't speak very good English. Um, and they're also very self-conscious about the fact that people kind of mock their Chinese accents. And, do, do you and, think and, people mock? I'm not, I haven't really witnessed that before. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily mocking, okay? I, I, don't, I don't feel like it's a very, um, it's a very sort of explicit way of, um, mocking people's accents or whatever, but you know, you know how like um, I think this this really applies to the guys because I don't I don't really know what the Chinese girls are thinking, I, but I really understand what the Chinese guys are thinking because at the end of the day, every guy just wants to get laid. That's the that's the survival instinct that, that we're built with, right? And you hear all of these girls talking about all these different accents being attractive and unattractive, and you would always hear girls talk about, oh my God, like British accent is so attractive, so sexy. I just want to jump in his bones, right? Like all these movies that we're, that we're <laughs> watching growing up, they're always talking about how like there's, there's uh, sexy accents in Britain, there's sexy accents from Italy, France or whatever. Um, but there's, there's no such representation when it comes to like anywhere in Asia. Um, and I'm I'm talking about like the whole of Asia. You, you you go as west as Turkey or Middle East to as east as like Philippines and uh, you know Pacific Islands. There's nothing. It's, it is as if in this whole discussion, this part of the world just doesn't appear <clears throat> at all. So but, people okay, are born with this like you know almost like diffident kind of attitude. But that is the Eastern world. I mean, surely within that world, there is, mm. you know, certain countries that are known to have, you know, an, uh, a really nice accent. But the problem is there's not like a, a language that's spoken by all these countries. It would still probably be English. I mean, there's not a common language in Asia, is there? Mm. Because when we, for example, yeah. when, we, when, we, when you said about like French, Italian, 
like British or whatever accent it is. It's when they are speaking in, in English that you hear that accent. And of course, you know, if they're speaking in their native language as well, it, it sounds good. But in Asia, like if you split Asia from the rest of the world or the Eastern Asia, there's not really a, is there a, is there a language that like, if you went to like Japan, South Korea, Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, I mean, these are all like very different languages. So you'd probably all end up speaking in English. Yeah, so that, that's the whole thing I'm, I'm getting at, which is, you know, um, people don't, people from this part of the world, um, they're never told that their way of speaking English is nice to hear. So it just makes them more self-conscious when they start speaking because they're like, well, I can't compete with these, you know, I can't compete the, with, with this Italian guy because he's definitely going to get this girl that I wanted to sleep with tonight, right? That kind of thing, that, that will happen before you even try to approach um, the person, before you even try, before you even start this chase, um, you already feel like you're, is obviously is a, is a victim uh, mindset for sure. Like it's almost like cutting your own leg, but, um, but I understand why that happens. I understand why some people feel that way. They, they genuinely do want to get out there, but there's, there seems to be a hurdle um, that whether it is imposed by themselves or whether it is imposed by others is there and they need to they need to overcome that before they can actually start the flat race with other people. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to that, I mean, I think the accent could be a part of it, as you said, but frequently I get people asking me advice. I'm like, oh, like I've come to Britain, like how can I, you know, make friends with them? Uh, British people and perhaps have like a, a European girlfriend or whatever they might want and uh, it's difficult because you have to embrace like the way of life here you know you're gonna have to put yourself in situations that make you uncomfortable and I think to be honest that's what it really is the key I mean throughout my life or your life I think we always put ourselves in you know if you're traveling you're gonna go and just see mm -hmm. people you don't really know and then you're forced to yeah speak yeah. and even if it's awkward I mean it Every time, every time you do it, you you become more and more um, accomplished, and you you start to get better at it and and enjoy it. And I think there was a real like lack of that in London, especially within the international students that I knew. Like they just kept to what was comfortable. So yes, yes, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, and if they're not going to make that effort, then they're probably not going to get any of the rewards that come with it but in saying that I do think it's really difficult because you know when I lived in China like I'm not saying that I you know I did make some effort but it definitely could have been more to, to mm -hmm. assimilate and hang out with more Chinese people because it's so easy just to you know meet up with your British mates and still go to the pub every Friday and still live in a in a, in a sense in, in a very British lifestyle but with all the benefits of of living in in Asia so yeah it's, it's difficult I'm not saying it's easy and um but I think that, you know, you can, people can definitely make that effort. And the more times you do it, the, the more results you're going to have, like positive results. Yeah, I think, you know, you know what, I think there's even less incentive for uh, European guys living in China to actually um, integrate within the society. Because, um, like I said before, right, every, every guy's final 
mission is to is to get laid is to I pass, pass off their genes. I don't know if you understand that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't really agree. I mean, I understand where it's coming from. Like that. Yeah. No, that's a that's a that's a pre primordial sort of like you know drive for for socialization and other stuff, right? I'm not saying that's the definitive answer to everything, but I'm saying like that's a big part of the reason. And I feel like I feel like. In my in my perspective, anyway, like when it comes to social life, there's two parts to it. There's there's my friends, and there's my you know intimate partner, right? Relationship, yeah. girlfriend, that kind of thing. Um, so, in in regards to like my friends, um, you know, just like you said, let's say for example, you're back in China now, and you have all these uh, friends who are from maybe you know who came from uh, came from UK same as you, or maybe somewhere else, um, basically all embrace the Western culture. And I mean, China or many Asian countries offer this environment where you basically can get bubbled up very comfortably, right? They, they create these very cozy um, little bubbles for you to live in. So you have in Beijing, you have things like Sanitoin, where it's like a huge area of just Western bars. And then yeah. When you go there, you only see like predominantly foreigners hanging out in those areas. Like very rarely do you see like a huge group of Chinese people actually hang out there. It might it might have changed now, but I think <clears throat> to to the sort of traditional Chinese perception, you know, those kind of areas are all, always kind of dedicated for the foreigners. Mm. Um, and for this is gonna sound very, very bad because I know if I say this, a lot of girls are gonna hate me, but I'm gonna say anyway. Um, I, I recently heard this term, ghost hunters. I don't know if you've heard that before. Oh my god! <laughs> you really have to say this on the podcast. <laughs> no, I just found it was it was a very funny thing, you know, like, um, uh, yeah, like, no. like. In Europe, there's no in Europe, there's no like banana hunters, but in in China, there's a whole bunch of ghost hunters. Oh my god! I assume you had that expression in Chinese. No, no, no. I actually haven't. This is uh, this I only heard this uh, expression in English. So, um, yeah, is is you know, so so the other the other part of your social life apart from making friends is already covered because you have infinite supply. So really is just you know this side you can choose whether you want to find friends who are western as like similar to you or you can find friends who are harder to deal with which are chinese and obviously you're already living a very comfortable lifestyle so there's not much incentive for you to go very you know for you to dig deep so you, you just stay in this comfortable area where you hang out with mostly people that are similar to you so i understand that that's that seems yeah. to lifestyle of a lot of uh, expats in China anyways. Yeah, and I think, what would you say the fundamental basis of a friendship is? Because for me, it's the ability to have interesting, like connected conversation. And secondly, it's the ability to share this, the similar sense of humor. I think I think a similar sense of humor is definitely something quite important. I think that's that's usually the fundamentals of building a friendship is, you know, sense of humor is just the same thing as uh, how pretty a girl is before I get to know her, right? Like you have to be, 
a certain level of pretty in order for me to want to talk to you. And for guys, you're, you you're really going to gonna make us so unpopular. Andrew, <laughs> yeah, thank you. For guys, you have to. I, I'm just being real. I'm just being oh, real. Yeah. <laughs> for guys, you have to be a certain level of funny in order for me to want to hear you talk. Like uh, that's that's just how it is. So, but I think the most important thing is actually, you know, when it comes to any kind of social relationship, is um, is whether your 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 sort of world view is somehow aligned in some way right if you if you cannot um see eye to eye on too many things then obviously there's no basis for this friendship or relationship to uh, to be built on so i think a lot of fundamental values have to be aligned before you can proceed like you can have you can have banter with random people at the bar all the time but how many of those actually become your friends that's that's the kind of um, thing that I find most important. Yeah, and I mean, just because we're on this topic, I mean, the the main difference I found mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, for example, if I met with some Chinese guys in a bar, mm-hmm. like they they would have a lot to say to each other, and I yeah. would possibly have a lot to say to my friends, but we wouldn't have a lot to say if we spoke, you know, to each other. Yeah, it's like yeah. because I don't I don't really know what like the way of speaking or the topics of conversation are so different so like mm-hmm. when we say something it's almost as if they see it as like weird like why would you say that like why do you want to talk yeah. about that and vice versa as well like the same for for them to us you know mm-hmm. um so it creates that that barrier which is very difficult to break down and and i do think in some case there is a big difference between men and women sometimes in in this aspect um partly because you know normally uh, desires are involved as well, so it, it changes. <laughs> it, it, just, it changes the atmosphere. That that's true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think is uh, I think there there came a point where you know when I was living in the UK um, and I realized, wow, am I am I really getting like fully westernized? Um, there was a point of realization, um, and that was that was when I moved to Loughborough University, and I realized there are so many Chinese students, but I had no idea what to say to them. And uh, they also had no idea what to say to me, even though we're at the same party, um, drinking together, talking with each other. It's just the awkwardness is very, <laughs> it's very salient. You know, it is, it's, it's like the elephant in a room. <laughs> yeah. I which is, which is crazy know. because, because we, we speak the same language. I mean, we, we share the same experience growing up. Um, yeah. is absolutely absurd. Yeah, it's pretty mm. funny, actually. And I did hear about that. I mean, some of them told me, like, oh, no, I'm going to have to sit beside Yukon on the bus. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I was like, you yeah. can just speak to him. He's a normal human being. Like, <laughs> don't get worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, uh, it is very weird because I do want to, I do want to socialize with them. Um, it's, uh, I think it's, it's a part of my social life in university campuses that I was constantly missing because mm-hmm. the story the story of how I kind of missed out on hanging out with Asian people or Chinese people when I was in university was because first of all my parents was were like you know you're in the UK already so why don't you just make the most of it uh, take full advantage and just you know interact with people in this particular society 
try our best to understand their way of life. You know, we spend a lot of money to send you to the UK. So you don't, we don't want you to move the whole of Beijing to UK because otherwise it would have been as if you've never left. Mm. So that's the kind of thing that they told me that really, you know, forced me out there. And I think that that put a lot of influence. And also, I think another thing was, this is a, this is a very practical thing. So before that was the whole, you know, overarching theory of everything but the, the actual practical reason was because it was also very hilarious it was basically that um the first year of uh, university um i was i think initially i was it was it was the halloween so it was just like a month or maybe two months after we started it was still like very early stages and i was only trying to you know i was slowly getting out out of my bubble and i was trying to go to parties and stuff uh, so there's a whole bunch of chinese students um and Manchester University and they're organizing this like huge Halloween party so I thought ah I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get some <laughs> but so I so I was so I I went to buy a ticket very early on and I also had a group of people that were gonna go with me so I was very excited but then um but then I think with some of my flatmates or whatever or some some other people that also invited me this was too long ago but Basically, I got invited to another party and I just went to the other one just because it was more appealing to me. Like there's there's a lot more people that I didn't know. There's a lot yeah. more people that I wanted to, uh, you know, there's a lot more. It's like it's like when you're going to a buffet, right? You, you, you have you have full on Cantonese buffet or Chinese buffet. And then there, the other one is like worldwide choice of food. You know, which one are you going to go for? And obviously, I've been having the Chinese buffet all my life, so I want to try something else. So that's why I went for the other one. And yeah. I kind of, I, I was kind of being a dick because I went for the other one without informing my Chinese friends. And uh, little did I know that after this, you know, after I stood them up, they're no longer my Chinese friends. They're no longer <laughs> my friends at all. Like, everyone <laughs> just kind of stops talking to me. So it was yeah. quite, it was quite, um, discouraging i would say um yeah so yeah so i kind of lost my chance for the whole four years like i think everyone in, in manchester business school kind of just thought you know um like he's not he's not one of us <laughs> yeah but i mean i think that your point that you made about your parents is really important because at the end of the day it's a lot of money and I mean, if you, it is, if yeah. people's families spend like in excess of whatever it is like 20 or 30 grand a year to come here and study. And mm. then you just came here and lived exactly the, the same lifestyle you would have done in Beijing with that was, the same, that, the same people. They must be like so disappointed. And the thing is, living in the UK with the same lifestyle as you would in Beijing, it's so expensive. Like, you know, if it's, let's take London as an as an example, um, obviously London is the most expensive city in the UK, but it's also like the most Chinese city in the UK as well. Like it has a huge Chinatown just mm -hmm. right in the middle of the city. And Chinese capital pretty much bought like half of the city already anyway. Um, you have this huge Chinese presence and, you know, there's there are so many universities in, the, in London uh, that are packed with students from Asia and most of the students from Asia are indeed from China. So there's a huge like Chinese international student community. So 
it makes it even more convenient for these kids coming from China to stay inside this comfortable, cozy environment without branching out. And you yeah. see them like you see them just basically going to their lecture halls and then living in Chinatown,、uh, you know, having hot pot and eating like dim sum all the time, right? Yeah.、And、but yeah, I mean, but it's this, a little boring to me, to be honest. Yeah, but on this point, I mean, I do think it. They're also a victim of circumstance because there's a huge difference now to like 20 years ago. So if Chinese person came here on their own merit 20 years ago and got admitted into like Manchester or Oxford University, they、mm-hmm. would be like a, a minority. I mean, they、yeah. would be like quite special, and they were like renowned for being very intelligent and hardworking, and <laughs> they would. Uh, as far as I can see, like assimilate into into British culture, because I know a,、uh, sort of some Chinese people from my work who are in their sort of mid、um, to late thirties. But the new generation, because when they come here, like for example, if over fifty or sixty percent of the entire class is Chinese people, like it's actually very difficult <laughs> if you want、yeah. to branch out and and become you know something different and experience you know sort of authentic. British way of studying and of of living. So, in some senses, it's it's、uh, it's not really their own fault or their own. No, no, it, it's a it's definitely like a victim of circumstance kind of thing. Because I remember the first week when I when I moved to Manchester, and、um, you know, I, I was living in this student accommodation area where they have a huge budget to basically organize all kinds of entertainment stuff for the students living there. So,、yeah. uh, we had a We had a comedy comedy night at the bar in our in our、uh, sort of you know this little community, and you know my flatmates took me there because you know I I had no idea what comedy night was, um so so they took me and I was like okay yeah let's check it out, so these uh I guess second grade or up and coming comedians you know they're they're traveling around the country, so they they came up stage and then you know I think. Most of them, because they don't have a lot of material, they try to make fun of the audience and they try to have a lot of engagement, which was quite nice, right? So they were, we were sitting at the front row, so they were kind of, you know, the comedians were trying to basically take the piss on us, right? So, so they were basically asking, oh, where are you from? Where are you from? So the cool, the thing is, we had eight people in our flat, and then six of them are、um, from England, and yeah. So it was like, where are you from? And then somewhere in England. Where are you from? Somewhere in England. Where are you from? Somewhere in England. And the guy was like, oh wow, like all of you are from England. And then when it came to like、uh, the guy that was my next door neighbor, he's from Norway. So、um, you know, the comedian was like, oh, where are you from? And he's like, Norway. And he's like, oh, finally something different. And、uh, and the guy looked at me and he was like, where are you from? And then I said, China. And then he just went classic.、Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, it was a great joke. It was a great joke, although I didn't get it at the time because、um, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't understand what he meant.、Um, but it was, it was like that was the kind of the end of the conversation. I felt like I felt like people are a lot of people that I interacted with、um, in both the UK and Australia, based off my experience. They're not so.、Uh, it, it seems to me as if they're not curious about. Uh, China as a country, as they would,、uh, as they are interested in, you know, countries like、um, literally any other one, any other country they're interested in, and、uh, somehow when they hear China, they just 
they just shut off the conversation. Even though they know nothing about China, even though they've never been, um, they seem to be very turned off just by the fact that, you know, I, I spelled those, I, I arranged those five letters in that certain pattern and it came out to spell China. And then they were just like, okay, that's enough. Um, <laughs> next conversation, next person, right? So that was, that was kind of off-putting to me. Um, that was kind of like a like hurdle that I had to get over. Yeah, I mean, mm. I think in comparison to other Asian countries until maybe, well, not recently, but there was definitely, it was a much less known and much less traveled place to it just because it was more closed off, you know, which is sort of stating the obvious. And then there was a period where I think it's actually pretty common for British people now to go to China and teach English for like a year or something. There's a lot, like you're going to meet a lot of people who've done that. Or if they go backpacking, mm. they'll go uh, like, uh, up to like the southwest of China, so like to Yunnan, and they'll do like and Sichuan, and and do that sort of like. There's like a pretty common backpacking trail there, actually. So mm-hmm. I think the understanding of it and interest is definitely increasing. Until you know, obviously, recently is 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 going to decrease. I think. <laughs> I think yeah. in some in some ways, but it was it was on, on the up, um, and I think just yeah, there's a general perception of you know like Chinese tourism and maybe a negative perception of how they behave and i remember when i was working in the schools they actually gave like classes to the children on you know how to act when you you visit other countries yeah i think that's probably because again like the culture is so different i mean i'm it's it's not like this that they're acting badly it's just that they they don't know about the customs it's the same if i go there i wouldn't know about a lot of the customs and i'd probably end up offending people as well but um, yeah, there's probably a lot more Chinese people that come to the UK than British people that go to China. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, um, <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very difficult to get laid for a Chinese person in the UK. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, not if you're a girl, not if you're a girl, if you're a girl, um, you know, um, that's fine. But if you're a guy, it might be a little competition out there. Um, but you know. If you're if you're scrappy enough, you can you can get what you need. Yeah, it's all about adapting. I think adapting. <laughs> it's important. 100%. I don't know why we're talking about getting laid so much. Um, I think it's, it's you. Yeah, you keep bringing yeah, it up. I think it's definitely probably, like some issue going on. Yeah. It's my it's my recent lack of it. I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've brought it up at least five times throughout this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and did yeah, you have I ca- a... call this whole thing like the unbearable weight of representing China? That's kind of that's kind of my thing. That's quite a yeah. sacrifice you're making there. I kind of you know I kind of sacrificed my own uh, sexual desire for my country. So definitely makes me a perfect patriot. You're very loyal, very yeah. loyal indeed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know many British people who do that for Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's why you gotta yeah. put girls on submarines um, just to just to keep them <laughs> just a lot you just just stop it okay like I'm not gonna publish that comment. well well I'm gonna say I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say this though like um, I, I called that the unbearable weight of representing China was because later on I decided to free myself from this shackle right when I realized there's no way in hell I'm gonna do 
my country justice because it's just too it's too freaking complicated. Like I can't even properly representing my I can't even properly represent myself. How am mm. I gonna um, represent like 1.4 billion people? That's impossible. Yeah, I can't even do one. So yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So the shackles have gone, and now how do you feel now? Well, now now I feel very liberated. You know, um, oh, decided to just with that word. <laughs> well, we've been liberated since 1949, so I think I'm okay to say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, I I'm just saying, right? Like I I think the most important thing that a lot of people don't realize about me was. Um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, a, a very, a very profound thing that I tend to experience was a lot of people when they, when they hear the fact that I was from China, they kind of decide to put me in a in a group identity, and I think that sometimes it interferes with their ability to understand me as a person. So. Um, so sometimes, sometimes when I when I go into um, new sort of social interactions or social encounters, um, I don't tend to bring up the fact. I don't tend to bring up the question where you're from, right? I don't ask people where they're from, um, because you know, obviously, if you ask someone where you're from, the next thing is where are you from? Um, so I know if that's gonna make it difficult i just i just start talking about other stuff I, I make sure people get to know me first and then they find out i'm chinese and then you know they're like oh wow so chinese people can be like this as well so that's a that's kind of like a positive influence on how people view um my culture or group of people that i sort of identify with right um, right so what you're telling me is like you know subtly you're actually still representing your nation in a way that's bringing them well, great. I think, I think I think people can never stop representing um, the group that they're they're from. Like you, you are born with some inherent, um, you know, characteristics that mm. kind of define you as a member of a certain group. Like for example, um, you can you can marry a Chinese woman and you can you can have a Chinese passport and you can live in China. You can settle here. But that doesn't change the fact that you, your name is Kyle and you are born in Scotland. Mm -hmm. yeah. you're, you're a Scottish person, right? You, yeah. The first I think, thing, to be honest, uh, just back to what you said about the further away from home you go, like the more, mm -hmm. the more you start to, you know, become more nationalistic. And I think it's right. I mean, when I live abroad, I definitely um, become more Scottish. Like you become more proud of it and you yeah. talk, about, talk about it way more. Yeah, um, and to be honest, I love Scotland. Like, I think it, I feel far more Scottish than British, to be honest. Yeah. Well, you're kind of away from home right now, so. Yeah, I feel it. Yeah, it's a long way. <laughs> the, big, the big city down here. Yeah, it's really different. <laughs> <laughs> so many people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Move to London and never feel safe. Uh, yeah. It's the whole. Yeah. Anyway, so. Think we're coming to an end, or? I think so. I think so. It's been a it's been a good hour uh, that has just gone by today. So yeah. So 
yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> that was a pretty that was a pretty fast ending. Just you know, thanks for listening. <laughs> it's a sarcasm, yeah, because I know they won't have got this far through the episode. Nobody would have. Uh, I think I think we need to we need to do some tests, right? We need to say comment um, comment banana in the comment section if you if you got to this point. Yeah. And see how many bananas we'll see in yeah, the comment section. Exactly. I hope to see many. At least yeah. at least thirty. Yeah, and for those people who are wondering how to spell banana is B A N A N A. Very good. Yeah, very good. <laughs> All that expensive education paid off. Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely, learn yeah. one word. Mm. Yeah. All right, so we can probably like fade it out now. That'd be nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's good. Okay. All right. See you guys next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.